Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Vital Point Church. My name is Ron. I'm the pastor here at Vital Point. We believe that it's important for people to explore and grow in their faith. And my hope, my prayer is that this message that you're listening to will draw you closer to better understanding how you can live out your faith journey in the everyday life. Sit back and enjoy. Let's jump in. We're starting a brand new series today called The Big Why. We've been talking about it all morning and we're going to jump in. When you think about what it means to be human, you recognize that there are some qualities that make humans extremely unique. That sets us apart from everything else in creation. There's two things that come to my mind instantly when I think about what's unique about human beings. The first one is our ability to create. I want you to think about this for a moment. This is what's so incredible. A painter can look at a canvas, a blank canvas, and they can start to put paint with a brush on the canvas, and before you know it, there is a masterpiece on the canvas, and we all look at this and are amazed and stunned by it. An architect is commissioned to go and create some sort of modern structure. They start with a blank screen, and they start dragging lines and shapes around, and next thing you know, they have this beautiful structure that most of us stand in awe of. A composer... Here's a chord progression in their ear, and they sit down before you know it, they have a symphony. A director can take a script with just words and characters and bring it to life for so much so that we go to the theater and we watch it, and we're amazed by it. And I can't wait to go see Top Gun again, so it's going to be amazing, I'm sure. Creativity. We're creative because God is the God of creation. God is the original creator and we're created in his image. So therefore, we are all creative. You may look at your life and you say, I'm not a creative. Well, I hate to break it to you, you are. You are a creative human being because you're created in the image of God. It might be to put brush to a canvas. It might be pen to paper to create poetry. It might be the ability to create a solution to a problem. You might even have the ability to create a garden in front of your house. It looks like a masterpiece, and we all live in awe of it. The other thing that often makes me curious about uh, what finds unique about humans is the ability to be curious. I kind of gave it away. Curious. What causes us to be curious? We look across the room and we see her and we wonder, would she go out with me? It was the mid-80s when I saw her. I looked across the room or we met in a living room and she was from Ontario. I was living and growing up in New Brunswick and I was curious if she would ever go out with me or even date me. And this past Thursday, we celebrated 32 years of being married because my curiosity was answered. She said yes. It's more like she pursued me. It's more like it, right? We'll just go there. Um, I was curious, though. Curiosity caused us to sit with a, a friend that has gone on a trip, and we want to know about their experience. Curiosity causes us to take risks at times. Curiosity might cause you to sit with someone who lives on the street and ask them questions. I sat with a woman just recently on a curb, and I asked her questions about her life, about her growing up, and the courage it took to sit there asking for money. It was amazing interaction. Curiosity causes us to do things, to step up. It creates new paths and new opportunities for us. Curiosity is also something that causes people to wonder what it means to follow Jesus. Sometimes in life, the path that we walk on creates these moments that makes us curious about where we're headed, what we're doing with our lives. 
Sometimes it's significant change in life. Maybe it's moving to a new town or moving to a new city. It's a loss of a loved one or it's having children. Unexpected interruptions come into our lives that cause us to be curious about seeing life from a different perspective. Curiosity causes us to step back every once in a while and wonder it, the life that we're building, does it matter? The foundation which we're building our lives on, is it secure? Curiosity takes us to a place of deeper understanding life and I would also say deeper sense of faith as well. Curiosity comes in the form of why. Every parent loves the question why, right? Why do I have to go to school? Why do I have to eat these green beans? Why are you yelling at me, dad, for telling me to stop asking why? These are things that we do, right? I remember when our kids were little, it's like, it's because I'm dad. That's why. That's where I eventually got to when they asked so many questions around why. Why becomes a question that is an essential piece of understanding faith in God in the church. Because I believe that when we ask the question why, we have the potential of our faith going deeper and understanding what it means to live out a life following Jesus. It helps us navigate the complexity of the promises of God and the reality of what we see in our lives. We ask why. Like when I look at the world around us and I see the abuse and I see the harm and I see the chaos and the confusion, but I also hold up the, the promises that I see of, from God that he is in control, that he is the one that comforts us, that he is the one that protects us, but yet I look at the, the, those two things and I ask why. I look at these things through the lens trying to sort out the promises and the chaos. How does it all mix together? It has the potential of driving us deeper into our understanding of who God is and his promises. For some of us, the why question leads us to a place of deconstructing our faith. And as much as I'm a little bit leery and concerned about deconstructing faith, it is, I believe, a necessary part of our journey, especially if you've grown up in a faith environment that doesn't represent the true nature of who Jesus is. So sometimes you do need to pull some of those things apart, but I think there's a warning, so I'm going to step into a warning for just quickly. It's not the point of the conversation today, but I feel like I need to say it because everybody's talking about deconstruction. If you are going to deconstruct your faith, please, please don't always go to the supportive voices of your deconstructing path. Try to find those who are wise and are biblically, there's biblical wisdom that can speak into your life. I'm amazed at how many people deconstruct their faith and rely upon the TikTok deconstructors. How do you deconstruct in 60 seconds? I have no idea. Also, if you're going to deconstruct your faith, realize that it's possible to enter into this process to deepen your walk with Jesus. See, deconstructing can actually move you to a place of vibrancy in your root, and the roots of your faith can grow stronger. I, I had this thought this week. It's like, you don't have to throw baby Jesus out with the water. Like, it's like, you can actually find a deeper sense of who Jesus is. Why is an important question that we must ask ourselves, even as it relates to certain practices of the Christian faith? Why helps us pull back and realize that there is a greater understanding and depth to the things that we do from a religious, a ritual religious perspective. That's why we want to do this series. That's why I wanted to take three weeks and talk about three things, baptism, tithing, and communion. And I believe that as we dive in over the next few weeks, what's going to happen for us is this, is that we're actually going to, especially if you're in process of learning what does it mean to follow Jesus, it's going to help you understand that once you cross that line of faith, what does it actually mean? What do these things actually mean for you and the relevance into your life? But I also am convinced that there's some of us that have a bit of a dust on our faith right now. You get a dusty faith. And this series is actually 
actually going to help blow the dust off a little bit and bring us back to the core of these three things and why they are so essential to our journey of faith. So let's jump in on baptism. I want to read for you where it comes from. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, it says this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The title of this section in most Bibles is called The Great Commission. What we see in this moment is Jesus giving the direct Uh, the direct point of understanding what he wants his disciples to do and eventually what he wants his church to do. He says, all authority has been given to me. So he's speaking from the place of utmost importance and a place where we must understand that what he's about to share is not up for debate. We are not to waver from it. We are to live into it as a reality of his church being expressed in this world. So Jesus says, all authority is mine, and I'm now going to share with you this important mission that I'm going to give you. The authority comes from the fact that he is connected to God the Father. So you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the authority comes from his connection with God the Father. So he realized that it's not just coming from himself, it's coming from the depth of who God is and the expression of who he is. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. The Christian faith for over 2,000 years has been spreading and reaching across the world to all nations. It's not central to one space, to one location. We've seen the expression of the church and the message of Jesus Christ spread intensely across the world. And there's times where it's so amazing because there's unique expressions of the church for certain seasons and times in the world. For example, there are parts of Africa right now where the church, the local church, is expanding and growing faster than what we could ever imagine. In Iran, the same thing is happening. And what we begin to realize is that over time, we see pockets of the movement of the Christian faith that uniquely design around the person of Jesus Christ, but are expressed differently in different parts of the world, so much so that tens of thousands, if not millions of people are encountering Jesus. So for example, right now, in Iran, when you think about the go and make disciples of all nations, in Iran right now, people are supernaturally encountering Jesus in their dreams. People are actually advertising and saying, if you've experienced Jesus in your dream, talk to us, because there's a supernatural working of Jesus. It's who he is and what he's doing in this world. That's the uniqueness of the Christian message and how powerful it is as it moves out, as it continues to bring the awareness of Jesus to parts of the world. See, we often think very micro. We think, well, you know, the Christian church is Canadian. Wrong. We're such a small sliver of the global church. But Jesus says very clearly that as you go go into all the nations, that you are to make disciples. That's a very clear, distinct directive that he gives us. I love this because oftentimes we think what Jesus is saying in this moment is that we are to go and make people in our image that we are to go and make people churchgoers. We're go and make people neat and tidy. No. He says, go and make disciples of me. What's a disciple? A disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who has entered into a relationship by faith with Jesus, learns to abide in that relationship 
prioritizes that relationship and the intimacy of that relationship, so much so that as you become a mature disciple of Jesus, you begin to discern the voice of Jesus in your life. And that as you walk with him, the qualities and characteristics of Jesus' life become formed in you. Part of VPC's vision statement is to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And the second part of that, and commitment to his church. But the first part, the grow in the knowledge of Jesus. When we grow in our knowledge of Jesus, we enter into the intimacy of the relationship with him so that our lives are formed by him. There's a phrase that is often used for describing a disciple that walks so closely to a rabbi in Jesus' day. It says that, may you be covered in the dust of the rabbi, that you walk so closely to him that the dust blew up from the road onto you and you were covered in his dust. See, when someone by faith steps across the line of faith, and sometimes it's, a, it's an experience, a moment, sometimes it's a bit more of a process, that person begins a shift in how they see the world, how they interact, how they begin to demonstrate the qualities, because in that knowledge, in that intimate relationship with Jesus, the qualities and characteristics of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, there's nine of them called through the Spirit. I almost messed them all up. Thankfully, they're on my notes. That they become part of who you are. You follow so closely as a disciple of Jesus that it's no mistaking who you follow. I think that's a powerful description of what does it mean to walk naturally in this relationship with him. Because even as we do that, what happens is, is we become a beacon of light of who Jesus is in us to others. See, a disciple of Jesus wants to spread that good news, wants to communicate that good news, wants to live it out so much so that it raises questions in people's minds as to what is different about you as we live as salt and light in this world. I've been thinking a lot about going and make disciples of all nations for Vital Point Church. Over the past two years, I've been spending a fair amount of time thinking and praying and navigating this, and so much so that our, we're, we've hired a church consultant that's helping us move forward into the future as we pray about what God's doing but as I've considered this, as I've walked this, uh, I, this past couple of years, trying to sort through what does it mean to make disciples? What does it mean to be a church that grows and expands and reaches more people? Because our mission is to reach people and help them become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So I started thinking about this. Okay, it's about creating dynamic Sunday gatherings or weekend gatherings where people want to bring their friends to where you meet Jesus. Yes, of course. Start more sites in small towns where the light of Jesus is not shining as bright as what it could. Yes, of course, we're continuing to do that. Is it creating social media presence where more and more people are drawn to church or drawn to the message of the church and even at times when we post the fun stuff, people go, oh, church people can actually have fun. They're not as boring as what I think they are. Just watch all the blooper reels that we put out from my mistakes and recording all these dumb videos I have to do. Or is it hosting events for ladies' night, men's night? Is it student ministry, kids' ministry, all this? Yes, it is this. But as I've grown in my conviction of what does it mean to make disciples of Jesus Christ, I've recognized that it's an important step that we equip and encourage followers of Jesus to invest and invite their friends to meet Jesus. Not as projects, but as people who are genuinely loving others. Because as you are formed into Jesus' image, you will genuinely love others and want others to meet him through the way you live. So when someone is growing in their knowledge, there's this aspect of the discipleship process. But then Jesus says what? He says two things, baptize, and the second one is obey them to follow the commands in which I teach. 
baptized. Let's stay there. The other part of what Jesus said is for another time. What does baptize mean? What does this look like for us today? The word baptize means to immerse or to pass through water. The word baptize means to immerse or pass through water. If you were to do a study on water in the Bible, you would, be, you would discover that it is a theme we see through the entire book. The entire record of God's people and God's expression to us through the scriptures, you see water. You see it at the very beginning of creation where the spirit hovers over the water and then God would eventually separate the water from the land. You fast forward a little bit, you've got Noah and the ark. If you remember that story, maybe growing up in Sunday school, where Noah's family is saved from the flood of God's destruction of humanity because of his brokenness over the evil and the destruction and the injustice in the world in which he saw Noah passes through the water. You see Moses bringing God's people out of slavery from Egypt, and you see the Red Sea experience in the moment recorded for us, and the Red Sea opens, and they pass through the water. Joshua, going to the promised land, passes through the water of the Jordan River. Jonah gets thrown overboard into the water and is swallowed up by a great fish and eventually puked on the shore. That is passing through the water. I really thought puked on the shore would have got more of a response from you, but... And then Jesus, Jesus himself is baptized in the Jordan River. John the Baptist takes him to the, he, Jesus gets in the water and comes up out of the water with the voice of God and the spirit of God hovers over him. See, baptism is the immersion into the water and coming up out of the water, which is a demonstration or symbolizing of the deliverance and the protection of Jesus to one's life. See, baptism is something that people do out of obedience. Baptism is an outward act of demonstration of the inward process of the newness that Christ brings into a person's life. So when someone is baptized, they're showing that they're identifying with Jesus' death and his resurrection. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 34. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Christ's death was a necessary step for you and me to be made right with God. It was the payment for sin. God is a just God. He requires payment. Jesus was buried. He died and was buried and rose again to life. He was into the death and resurrected to new life. So when baptism comes into play for us as an act of obedience, I enter into the water and come up out of the water symbolizing and representing the reality of the new life found in me. So baptism for a believer, for a follower of Jesus, is the immersion aspect of the newness of life. It's the ritual of baptism that we follow through. Now, we must understand something very clearly here. Baptism is not what makes you right with God. In churchy words, it doesn't save you. It is not your salvation. Baptism is a symbol. It represents, it gives you the idea of the public acknowledgement of the inward work of what Jesus has done in your life. You were once dead in your sin, and now you're raised to new life. This can be a little bit confusing, and I'm going to step into a a space that's going to make us squirm a little bit, but I need to step in for just a moment, especially, this might be a little bit confusing, especially if you were baptized as a baby. The ritual of water being sprinkled on you doesn't mean you are right with God in that moment. Water, the ritual of water, doesn't save you. 
That person will still need to come to a place in their life where they acknowledge, embrace Jesus for themselves so that then therefore the Holy Spirit comes and enters into that person. So when you think of someone who maybe has been sprinkled as an infant, that person would need to get to a place at some point in their life as a teenager or an adult where they have a public confession of their faith as the covenant of the baptism is done for the infant to make it true for yourself. I recognize this is a fine line for some of you that you, and and by no means am I trying to create confusion or division within this church because I'm not interested in that. Infant baptism is symbolism through this idea of circumcision which comes from the covenant of God with Abraham and his family. So the symbolism of God's promise comes through the symbol of circumcision for God's people through Abraham which carries over into the New Testament and we see this at moments and times where entire households would be baptized. Whether it was a, you know, a, an official jailer who was watching over, he would go home and then they baptize the entire family. The concern I would have with this is that what arises for some of us, and not all of us that experience this as children, but the, what arises and the concern that I have is that sometimes people carry a false assumption and a false hope because you were sprinkled as an infant. And you're basing your walk with God based on that religious ritual. So for example, if I said to you, hey, are you a Christian? And you answer with, well, I was baptized as an infant. You have to be careful with that because that also means you need to come to a place where you make that decision for yourself to follow Jesus. And you could carry a false understanding of what does it mean. If you're baptized as an infant, your parents would want you to get to the place And that was the intent so that you make Jesus real for yourself. This is why I would say here at Vital Point, occasionally we do infant baptisms and we have clear conversations with families that desire to do this. It's because we help them understand that this child will at some point in their life have to make this decision on their own and that they too would embrace Jesus, whether it's through public declaration or, or, or by baptism, maybe even themselves sometimes. That's why we see more families in our church be, dedicate their children where they say, yes, I wanna raise my child in a Christian environment with Christian values and that I'm depending upon this Christian community to help me raise this child so that one day they too will embrace Jesus. See, the biblical understanding of baptism when you begin to unpack it, when you begin to realize the intent of what baptism was trying to do is that baptism always followed some form of confession, some form of repentance or believing in the person of Jesus Christ. Acts 2.38, Peter speaks to the crowd and they wanna know what to do with the message that he proclaims and he says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, repent. The thousands of people are asking, what do we do with this? And they say, if you repent, you can be baptized. You can follow. And so thousands of people. We see this idea of turning away from our ways to the ways of Jesus. That's what repentance looks like. Repent and be baptized. In verse 41 of that same section, and those who received the word were baptized and they were added to the daily 3,000 souls. So what you begin to realize is that as they received the word, as they received the message, the truth of who Jesus Christ was, they received this into their lives and the follow-up that with that was the public declaration of the inward work of Jesus. And there was 3,000 added that day. I joked a few weeks ago when I preached this message, parts of this section, that I would love to one day baptize 3,000 people. It was like all day long, maybe a few days. We'd have to get all kinds of tubs and dunk tanks and everything. It'd be incredible. The crowd brought it in and were baptized. 
So we see baptism from a perspective of understanding it's the immersive act of going into the water and coming up out of the water, showing and representing that you have died with Christ and you've been raised to new life in him. It's not a magical religious ritual. It's a step of obedience for someone who follows Jesus. Now, we have to actually step in for just a moment and acknowledge a few things because I hear, as a pastor, I hear all kinds of confusion around baptism as people think about it and try to process it. I want you to understand this, that say, for example, on June 26th when we do our baptism out here, um, we're doing a VPC-wide event out here on the lawn on Sunday, June 26th. If you choose to be baptized, you're not saying that you have all the answers and that you're a perfect person. I hear this from people. Well, I just don't know enough. Uh, I don't have all the answers to my questions yet. I still have doubts. Good news. The 11 that met Jesus in Matthew 28, what does it say? Some of them had doubts as well. So you're in good company. It is not saying that you have it all for you. It's not saying that your life is perfect. It's not saying publicly before your community that your life is spick and span. You're like, just got it all together and you got no problems and no issues. The reality is that the baptism is the demonstration of the very opposite. It is actually going into the water and coming up out of the water saying to your community and to those around you that yes, I needed Jesus. I needed Jesus to transform my life and to change my life. I needed Jesus to make me right with God and I don't have it figured out so therefore I'm gonna continue to walk in discipleship with him and I'm publicly saying I need him. We must also look at it from a perspective because I hear this as well from people. Well, if I get baptized then my life is gonna get better. Thank you for chuckling. It potentially might get worse. <laughs> Just so you know what you're up for. Because once you go public with your faith, you become dangerous for Jesus. And the enemy doesn't like it. See, sometimes we see baptism as an exchange. Well, if I do this for Jesus, then he's going to make my life better. No, that's not how it works. Baptism is saying, I've come to this place in my life where I needed Jesus, and out of obedience, I'm going to step into the water and follow him and learn what it means to walk with him each and every day. Going into the water represents dying to self and being raised to new life, which means I'm actually living from a place of learned surrender and submission to Jesus as king in my life. No, I won't have it all together. I will meander. I will wander. I will stumble. I will fall. But yet, in the midst of this, I'm in process of learning what it means to follow him. I want to say something as we close, as we look through this dynamic of why baptism. And I've been sensing this all week, and I've been trying to discern how to say this without being offensive, but I'm just going to say it. So see it as strong encouragement. Some of us have been making baptism about ourselves. I will get baptized when the setting is right, when the circumstances align with what I want. And I understand that and I get that and there's pieces of that that, yes, of course, schedules in life and people there, I get it. That's, that's absolutely true. But here's what I believe. I believe that some of us have been feeling a nudge to get dunked in the water on June 26. And I would say this, if you feel that nudge, and you're resisting it and holding off. 
I want you to hear these words from James, a New Testament book. He's the half-brother of Jesus. He said, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. Sometimes we think sin is that big, horrible thing that we do over here, but sometimes it falls into the category of knowing what we need to do and not do it. God has been working tremendously across VPC over the past year. And there has been some of us, there's been some of us that have taken massive steps in moving forward and understanding what it means to live out our faith. And for some of us, I'm absolutely convinced that this is your next step of obedience. It's getting into the water and going public with your faith. Jesus has been transforming you. You've been walking with him and learning what it means to follow him. And now you say publicly, I'm his and he is mine. And this community of faith called Vital Point Church is my home. They're my peeps. I'm gonna walk with them. I'm gonna learn what it means to live out my faith together. And I also wanna say this to you parents with kids in children's ministry and VPC kids. I would say this to you. Have a conversation with your children. They're at that age. Maybe they're a bit older. Maybe they're eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. And you know that God's been working in their lives. Maybe it's the conversation you need to have with them. Students, VPC students, there's some of you in the room here today and maybe some of you watching at home. Students, we have seen God working in you. We know that God has been working in some of your lives in a very strategic way. Maybe it's time for you to step forward in obedience and get baptized. As we close today's service and our first conversation around the big why, my hope and my prayer is is that you will allow this closing moments and open yourself up to the possibility that maybe, just maybe, God is saying, will you get baptized this June? Listen to this song.